Lord gave me a prophetic word at the beginning of this year, before this pandemic ever hit, that we are going to see his glory this year. And then he gave me Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, which says that um, the glory of the Lord is going to be seen upon you, though gross darkness is going to cover the earth and cover the people of the earth. We're seeing the darkness part right now, and people are losing hope. But God's glory is going to come like a flood, and it's going to overwhelm the darkness. The Bible is very clear that darkness cannot overcome light. And you are the light of the world. Christ in you, Christ on you, Christ through you is the light of the world. You do not have to fear the darkness when you are in Christ Jesus because he is the light of the world. And him, him in you, you become the light of the world. God's glory is going to be revealed. The darkness comes first, then God comes on the back of that and says, yeah, watch this. You don't have to be afraid of the darkness because God is light and God is love and God is in love with you. So I've been talking to you about how to have hope in the midst of hopelessness. Clearly, we've got to keep our eyes on God. Today, I want to talk to you about our ultimate hope, and that is the return of Christ. Now, I'm not teaching on the return of Christ because I don't think there's hope in this present situation, but I want us to get our eyes on the ultimate hope, which is his second coming, to gain perspective on what's happening right now in our lives and in this world. This is all temporary, but Jesus is eternal. His kingdom rules over all kingdoms, and his kingdom is eternal. All other kingdoms are temporary. They rise and they fall, but the kingdom of God is forever. And we are to keep our eyes on the horizon for his second coming, because that is our ultimate hope. So today I want to talk to you about three don'ts and three do's in the end times. But I want us to read a couple of scriptures about his coming again, and how his second coming is our ultimate hope. Look at these passages. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God, exclamation point. And that is what we are, exclamation point. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, that's his second coming, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this, say it out loud, hope. Say it again. Hope. hope. All who have this hope, the return of Christ, in him purifies themselves just as he is pure. And then look at this, 1 Peter chapter 1, 3-5. through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power. You are shielded by God's power if you are in Christ Jesus until the coming of the salvation that is ready to reveal in the last time. So, I wanted to take a 30,000 uh, foot view of what's going on in the earth today. And I want us to look at a passage of Jesus talking 
to his first followers in the first century at street level in real time. And they're talking about the beauty of the temple. We're going to read this and how gorgeous it is. And, and they're looking at the things that are just fascinating them that are on earth at that time. And Jesus gives them instruction about that time and the end times, which we are in right now. The end times began when Jesus rose from the dead. The end times have expanded for two, have lasted 2,000 years. I believe we are in the end of the end times. And I know every generation says that. When Israel became a, a nation, 19, uh, 1967, that was the beginning of the end of the end times. Jesus says that in chapter 24. Matthew, we're going to be looking at that. And uh, he says, when you see the fig, fig tree, the fig tree always represents Israel. Everything has come to pass and needs to come to pass for Jesus to return. So I believe it is soon. But whether it is or not, I'm not going to focus on the when Jesus is going to return. Because Jesus even said, he doesn't even know. It's in his Father's hands. He said, I don't know, the angels don't know, only the Father knows. So I am not going to fixate on when Jesus is coming back. The question, are you ready? I'm going to focus on what we should be doing in the end times. Whether this is the end of the end times or not, either way, we should be living as though Jesus is coming back in the morning. So let's jump into this passage together and let's look at three don'ts and three do's in the end times. All right, we're in the book of Matthew and it says this. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, Matthew 24. And his disciples came to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came and asked them privately, saying, Tell us two questions. When will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? When are you coming back? He asked them two questions. They asked Jesus two questions. When will this temple be destroyed? And when are you coming back? Those are two questions. And so they were enamored with the building, the temple. It was phenomenal. The description of that temple, you ever look it up? It was, it was an architectural phenom. And uh, yet Jesus said, uh, this is all going to be destroyed. Now, half of this came to pass. The destruction of that temple happened in 70 AD when the Roman uh, Emperor Titus came and completely leveled Jerusalem and tore down that temple. So that happened in their lifetime. The second question, when are you going to come back, has not yet happened. And that's what the whole book of uh, a whole chapter of Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 is about. And we're going to dive into a little bit of that today. So we're going to continue reading what Jesus said to them. And here's what we're going to find are three don'ts and three do's in the end times. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation to kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my sake. Then many will be offended. That means turn, that, that's translated turn from the faith. They were believers, but they were offended and turned from the faith and will betray one another and will hate one another. Sound familiar? Sound relevant? Sound current? Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. 
And because lawlessness will abound, sound relevant, sound current, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. All right. This is the prophet Jesus, the son of God, telling us accurately what is happening and what is going to happen and what the end is going to look like. So let's jump into it. Three don'ts first. The first don't, Jesus says, don't fear in times. What does the end times message produce in you? Fear or does it inspire you? Does it motivate you? Does it keep you on the edge of your seat, up on your toes, looking at the horizon, waiting for the return of your Savior? Jesus says, don't be troubled by these things. That word don't fear there can uh, also be translated, don't be surprised, don't be startled, don't be shocked at the things that are happening. He said, these things must happen. They're going to come to pass. God said at the beginning of this year that we're going to see his glory and the gross darkness is going to cover the earth. I'm so glad that God gave me that word and I was able to deliver it to you so that we weren't shocked when the things that are happening right now in our nation are happening. God warned us that they were going to come. You see, warning somebody that something's coming isn't negative, it's love. It's loving. If you know there's a bridge out up ahead, you want to warn the people that are headed for the bridge that is out. That's a loving thing to do, right? Uh, Jesus says this. I mean, I don't like saying that negative things are going to happen. But Jesus said, in this world, you are going to have trials and tribulations and trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The Bible says that a righteous person, a wise person, sees trouble is coming and they prepare for it. And so you see, Jesus does not tell us what is coming to scare us, but to prepare us. So just like when you're raising children and you want to prepare them for life, you tell them the things that they're going to experience and it's not all good. Why? To scare them? No, to prepare them. So Jesus is preparing us so that we can endure hard times. Look what Jesus says about this. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you're no longer a part of this world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. You see, being hated is part of the persecution. We all want to be liked. We all want to be included. It's, the, it's the, one of the deepest human needs in our experience, our human experience, in our psyche. We want to be part of the crowd. And to be uh, outed, to be uh, canceled, to be rejected to be um, marginalized, to be hated, to be called names. I mean, it's amazing how those who are hating are calling believers the haters. You see, everything's backward. The Bible says very clearly, in the last days, good will be called evil, evil will be called good. And that is what's happening right now in our world. But Jesus says, don't be shocked by this. Don't be afraid of this. This is going to happen because I've called you out of the world. They hated Jesus. Jesus said it. He says this, the word, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. They hated Jesus because he said things like, uh, you say that you shouldn't commit adultery. I say that you shouldn't even lust after a woman. Look at her and lust after her. So, oh my gosh, what? Yeah. But in our culture today, it's like, oh no, you can, you can have an open marriage. You know, you can you know, 
sleep together before you get married, and you know, sexual freedom, sexual liberty. Jesus says, even if you look upon a woman to lust after you, committed adultery with her, adultery with her in, her in your heart. He says, you say that you know, thou shalt not murder. I say, don't even hate your brother. You see, Jesus brought a value system that is completely opposite of our fallen human nature and our fallen world. And they hated him for it, and they killed him. He says, hey, they hated me before they hated you, so don't worry about it. I called you out of the world. This is part of the persecution. He goes on to say this, but let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and, and I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The Lord says, don't be troubled, don't fear in times. These things have to happen, but I'm going to come and get you. I'm going to take you out of here. Can I hear an amen? amen? All right, number two, one is don't fear the end times. Number two, don't fixate on temporal things. See, that's what was happening when the disciples were saying, look at this temple, Jesus. This is a phenomenal building. Jesus said, oh, just in a few years, this whole thing is going to be completely destroyed and be leveled. And they're like, what? When's that going to happen? Jesus tells them not to fixate on temporal things. We do that. Our tentacles are connected to this earth. We, 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 we live for today, and that's a huge mistake. We're, gonna, we're to be living for his return. Look at the Bible says about living uh, for this temporal life. The scripture says, all people are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass dies and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord lives forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. You know, I was uh, thinking about how you have these famous people, you know, like Rihanna or Beyonce or LeBron James or Zuckerberg. You know, these people are larger than life to us right now. You just say their name, and everybody knows who they are. And you're thinking, these people are going to be known forever. No, they won't. The next generation won't even know their names. I was talking to one of my teenage sons yesterday, and I thought, I'm going to test this out. I said, hey, and uh, Josiah said I could, I could use his name, so he's allowed me to expose him. And he said, I said, hey. Uh, do you know who Rockefeller is? Now, for those of you that are my generation, know that Rockefeller was one of the wealthiest men on the planet. I mean, his name, you say Rockefeller, immediately you think massive wealth. Everybody knew Rockefeller. You would think he'd be known forever. And he said, Rockefeller? They're going to do the same thing with Rihanna and Beyonce and Zuckerberg. I mean, they're not even going to be able to pronounce their names. It's amazing how my kids do not know the icons of my generation. It's shocking to me. Look, our glory is like that. Gone. That's what the Bible says. And so you say, oh, well, then I guess it just doesn't matter. I mean, if God's going to come back and our lives don't even matter. No, we are not to be fatalistic about the fact that our lives are temporary. Here are two inappropriate responses to his imminent return. One, let's go crazy. And this has happened in every generation.
people talk about the end times, and then they try to get out their maps and they show when Jesus is coming back. It's going to be a 19, I mean, in the 80s, it was like a 1986, and there's 86 reasons why, and they write books about it, and the books are a bestseller. And you know what people did? They maxed out their credit cards. Like idiots. I'm <laughs> sorry. They just thought, oh, Jesus is coming back. And they literally did that. And guess what? He didn't come back. And they, they, they yoked themselves with this crazy debt. Jesus talks about this in this very chapter. He says, just like in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking and being married. And the flood was coming, but they weren't paying attention. And the flood came. And the only people who were saved were Noah and his family who got in the ark. Jesus said it's going to be the same way in the end times. People are going to be mocking, eh, Jesus isn't going to be coming back. That's just old, old, you know, that's fairy tales. And they're going to be eating and drinking and being merry, and bam, it's going to happen just like that. So you don't want to go crazy and just party. Hey, it's almost the end times. Let's go for it. And you also don't want to be lazy. You don't want to say, well, then I guess it just doesn't matter what I do with my life. And why I go to school, why I go to college, why I work, and Jesus is going to come back. And we're going to talk about that next week. Because in the very next chapter, chapter, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talks about how we should be behaving, how we should be living uh, while we're waiting for his return. And it's full throttle because you're going to be rewarded for everything you do on the side of heaven when you see him. We're going to talk about that next week. Okay, so number one, don't fear the end times. Number two, don't fixate on this temporal life. Okay, live it to the fullest, but don't fixate on it because it's temporary. Number three, don't fall for false Christs. And you might say, well, I won't do that. I know who Jesus is. Jesus said many will be deceived and maybe even some of the elect, some of the strongest, some of the most popular Christians might be deceived. Well, how's that possible? Well, here's how I'm going to tell you two things, how not to be deceived. All right, Jesus says many are going to be deceived. Don't fall for false Christs. Two things. One, believe the Bible. It's that simple. Don't let anybody talk you out of the Word of God being the Word of God. As soon as you do that, you have loosed your moorings and your ship is out in the ocean, your sailboat's out in the ocean, and you have no rudder, you have no anchor, and you're just being blown around by anybody's philosophy, anybody's teaching. One of the most devastating things that has happened is in Christian colleges, when Christian professors are teaching the Word of God is not literally the Word of God. You'd expect that in, in secular universities, but not in a Christian college. The Bible says this. James says, those who teach the Word, their judgment is greater at the end times. When you, Jesus comes back, their judgment will be greater. He said, not, don't let many of you be teachers because your judgment's greater. Why? Because what you teach shapes people's belief system. It shapes their thoughts and their minds. Therefore, it... it, it um, it uh, influences their choices in life. And so teaching is, is a, is a uh, sobering calling. I, I do everything I can to be as careful as I can be to teach the Bible, not what I think, but what the Bible says. Because I'm going to be judged by the Lord on how well I fed his sheep. And this right here is the only God food on the planet. This right here is the word of God. So you got to believe the Bible. People that don't believe the Bible or people that just know a little bit of the Bible, I call them cult bait. Cult bait. Because every false Christ, every false prophet, every false teacher, every cult leader that's ever risen uh, teaches things from the Bible. 
But then they add all this other stuff. I remember one of my friends, I was on staff with him. He was the worship pastor at our last church. And uh, he had this Bible study he did uh, before church at 9 a.m. right there in the sanctuary. And he had these people just eating right out of his hand. And he thought, you know what? They're believing everything I say. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a test. He showed up on a Sunday morning and taught New Age philosophy. He used some scripture and then he kind of misappropriated and came up with this new philosophy. And he said, how many of you believe what I'm teaching? Amen. And he said, all right, I'm not teaching you anymore. You guys go read the Bible for yourself. I'm like, what? He was so discouraged and disheartened. How many of God's people don't know the Bible? You have got to get into the word of God and read it for yourself and see what it says or you're going to be cult bait. In this very passage, Jesus says how he's going to come back. Look, it's very plain. He says this. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets, that's people, uh, TV personalities, people have their own shows, people that have got podcasts that are speaking philosophy about what life's all about, their worldview, and people are flocking after them. Jesus says, false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. There it is. See, I have told you beforehand. The apostle Paul also warned the church. He said, with tears, the book of Acts, chapter 26, I think. Paul said, with tears, I warned you night and day that false teachers, false prophets are going to rise up in your midst and teach you false things that lead you astray. He said, I'm... I, I'm I'm about to go to heaven, and in tears, I'm warning you, stick with the word of God. He says, therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert. Well, we've seen that, right? Uh, these false Christs rise up in the desert, you know, Jim Jones in, in Waco, Texas. Do not go out or look, say, look, he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. It's right there. It's in the Bible. All you do is read it. Have any of these people that have come along been riding on the clouds of glory with the army of heaven behind them with Gabriel blowing a trumpet? I don't think so. So you just don't believe them. Jesus made it very clear how he would come. Believe the word of God. Look what Jesus says in the same chapter. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Right there. Jesus is either crazy a lunatic, a liar, or he is the Lord of glory. For him to say, heaven and earth, all this created world is going to pass away. But my words, the words that come out of my mouth, last forever. Because the Bible says his name is the word of God. Look what Timothy says, or Paul says about this in the last days. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful to teach us what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. 
God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That is why they're burning Bibles right now, which we'll get to in just a minute. But the second thing you need to do to not be deceived, not to follow false Christ, is to obey the word of God. You can't just read it, family of God. You've got to do it. I mean, you can say, oh, I know how to swim, but you've never actually jumped in water before. You say, no, but I read a book on it. I know how to do the backstroke. I know how to do the front stroke. I know how to do the breaststroke, right? Oh, yeah, I can do all of that. Yeah, let us throw you into the deep end of a pool, and you've never been in water before, and that book is going to do you no good. You have got to swim and practice swimming if you're going to know a swimming. Really, it's like you can't just read about swimming. You actually got to swim. And if you know Scripture and you think that makes you a Christian, no. Jesus could be walking that way, and you're quoting Scripture walking the opposite direction of Jesus. And you can actually think you're following him because you know Scripture. No, you don't become a Christian until you're actually following Jesus. And that means you're doing what he said. He says to forgive. If you're not forgiving, that's a command. It's not a suggestion. Jesus commands us to forgive from the heart. Some of you have bitterness and anger in your heart right now towards somebody. And Jesus says that you're to forgive them. You know what the Bible says? If you don't, you'll be deceived. Because it clogs your heart, it clogs your perception, you live in anger. The Bible says, do not let the sun set on your anger, or you will give a foothold and a place to the devil. You see? Because that anger, literally, Jesus says, if you don't forgive others, my heavenly Father won't forgive you. Unforgiveness closes heaven and opens hell, and you become deceived. The Bible says, that a root of bitterness will grow up inside of you and defile you and defile everyone around you because you'll just be pouring out this stuff on the inside of you that is ungodly. That's just one example of obeying Christ. You see, you got to get in the pool. You actually got to swim if you're going to learn how to swim. Okay, so the three don'ts. Don't fear the end times. God's in control. It's in the hands of the Father. Number two, don't fixate on this temporal life. And number three, don't fall for false Christ. Okay, you want some three do's? All right, here's something for you to do. Number one, do commit to Christ. Now, I mean like commit to him like you're in a storm and the boat's raging and you are grabbing a hold of that, that post, that mass, and you are just squeezing on for dear life. This is the time for you to get close to Jesus and hold on to him. Look at the Bible says here in the book of Matthew. Jesus says this, At that time, many will be offended and repelled by their association with me. These are shallow Christians. These are those who have not spent time digging their roots into Christ, learning to hear his voice, being in the word of God, being in fellowship with other believers, deepening your roots. Jesus said the seed falls on the ground, and there are people on shallow ground, and, and the, 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 they just... Uh, the shallow ground, it's just that uh, the sun comes up, scorches the seed, and it doesn't bear any fruit. He said, then there are those who are among thorns, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things. Just take the word, and it doesn't produce fruit. But then there are those that are sown into good ground who bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold with endurance. you got to stick in there, stand in there, stay with Christ no matter what, and your roots go down deep. I remember this. there's this little parable of this Huge oak tree, right? And it's just a massive oak tree with deep roots. And this little seedling, this little oak tree, kind of pops up. And he says, I'm an oak tree. I'm an oak tree. And the big oak tree leans over and says, you're not an oak tree yet. And then it grows up a little bit, shoots out a branch. I'm an oak tree. I'm an oak tree. And the big oak tree says, 
you're not an oak tree yet. He grows up a little more. I'm an oak tree. I'm an oak tree. And he says, you're not an oak tree yet. And then all of a sudden, this massive storm hits the forest and trees are bending over and branches are flying off. Trees are being uprooted. And when it's all said and done, there's that little oak tree still standing. He's like going like this. And the big oak tree said, now you're an oak tree. This is what Jesus is talking about. At that time, many will be offended and repelled by their association with me right now. Christianity is under attack. You're being called bigoted, haters, backwards, old-fashioned. I mean, every name you can imagine. And people, Christians, don't want to be associated with that. And so they're backing away from Christ. There are famous Christians, worship leaders, people saying they don't, they're not believing the faith anymore. It's, it's horrible. They're going to lead many people astray because they have gotten disillusioned. Jesus said right here, at that time, many will become offended and repelled by their association with me and will fall away from the one whom they should trust and will betray one another, handing other believers to the persecution and will hate one another. But the one who endures and bears up under suffering to the end will be saved. First Timothy, Paul says this. Now, the Spirit expressly, uh, explicitly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed. Now, you're saying, well, wait a minute, this is scaring me. Wait a minute, what if it's me? I'm going to tell you how not to fall away from Christ. Watch. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. We're talking spirits and teachings. You get that? Deceiving spirits. We are to be led by the Holy Spirit. You have got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit given to you is for your safeguard. The Bible says you have the anointing, the Holy Spirit, to teach you what is right and what is wrong. You see, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all the truth. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. And then you've got to be in the Word of God. He says, deceiving spirits and doctrines or teachings of demons. You're going to be taught things in every realm of life, whether it's entertainment or whether it's through the news or through, through schools and universities. You're going to be taught things that are anti-Christ. And you've got to be able to discern what is the truth and what is the lie. And you can, simply by being filled with the Holy Spirit and believe in the Word of God, you'll be able to discern anything and you won't fall away from Jesus. All right? So number one, stay committed to Christ. Here's your second do. Do care for others. Now, this is huge, you guys, and this is going to be very relevant. The Bible says, Jesus said earlier in this passage we read, that lawlessness, because lawlessness, track with me, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. You cannot allow your love to grow cold. If you do, once again, you'll be given over to darkness delusion, and you will be deceived, and you'll lose all hope. You have got to continue to care for others. When Jesus said, here's what all of life is about, this whole book is summed up in two commands. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love one another as yourself. Love. The devil cannot beat love. The real kind of love, the biblical love. The unconditional love, the supernatural love of God shed abroad in your heart. I was just talking to someone this morning in our pre-service prayer, and they said they've been healed from something from childhood. They said they've experienced three dramatic healings in the last 30 days. One was just this morning. They said, you know why? Because 
I had my heart shielded and guarded from things that hurt me when I was in my childhood. And she said, I drew close to Jesus and I opened my heart and he healed me. And she said, I have been healed. Another gal today said that she uh, fasted and prayed and that she sent an apology email to a relative and it took humility but she thought, I've got to operate in love because my heart is hardening and that relationship isn't right. And she said, I sent this email a few months ago. I'm sorry. I apologize. No response. She fasted and prayed. And as soon as the fast was over, that relative sent a responding email with an apology and they were reconciled. She was so filled with joy. Christians, we have got to be the light of the world right now. We have got to love and not hate forgive and not be angry and bitter and resentful. We are the light of the world. Now watch this about lawlessness. Why does lawlessness cause your heart to grow cold? Because it's, it, it produces hopelessness. Look, this lawlessness that's going on right now, it, it, the hopelessness is on both sides. Those who are violently protesting and burning down cities and destroying people's lives, many of them, they just feel like there's, there's no justice in, in our court systems. There's no, it's lawless. There's no justice. On the other side, those of us who are angry because you're destroying cities and burning our nation feel like this lawlessness, this rebellion is going unchecked, just letting these people right and you're not stopping them and it's creating hopelessness. This lawlessness, you know who's behind lawlessness? Satan. Now, some of you might think that's extreme or weird or whatever. It's a fact. Jesus isn't behind it. This is demonically motivated because the devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Look what the Bible says about lawlessness. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're back to the second coming, and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, don't become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by a word of mouth or by a letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. That means his return. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until, watch, the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed and the man doomed to destruction. For the secret power, here it is again, lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Woo! We don't have to be afraid, man. Jesus can handle this lawlessness. The coming of the lawless one. Isn't that amazing how many times that word's used here? Uh, the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. Mm -hmm. Satan is the lawless one. Lawlessness is demonic. Why? Because it's about rebellion against authority. Satan was the first one to rebel against authority, rebelling against God's authority. Somebody asked the question, okay, they're rebelling against the police. They want police abolished. That's lawlessness, by the way. We have no law, so there's no restraint on evil. Hmm, I wonder who's behind that. And now they're burning Bibles. Why would they jump from the police to the Bibles? Because it's about authority. We want to dismantle human authority, and then we want to dismantle divine authority. Who's behind that? Satan. Satan is the chief rebel. When you, when you rebel, it's not cute. It's not fun. It's not cool. 
You're giving in to the evil one and you're following the prince of rebellion himself. And you will end up with him forever rather than changing teams, changing sides. Say, I'm going to submit to God. I'm going to submit to God's authority. And I'm going to do what the Lord is leading me to do. That's how you are not deceived. You don't give it to the lawless one. Look what the Bible says Jesus is going to do, though. This is awesome. The Son of Man will send out his angels. It's talking about Jesus in the last days at his return. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. There it is again. Jesus is about law and order. He organized the universes. He organized the human race, and he brings peace. Peace comes through order. And Satan is the lawless one who brings peace. Uh, derision and, and, and destruction and divisiveness. That's Satan. But Jesus is going to come and he is going to settle the score and he wins. You need to be on the right side. And this is going to bring up the last do. So the, so the don'ts, don't fear, don't fixate, and don't fall for false Christ. And the do's, do commit to Christ, do care for others, and do share the hope that you have. This is the hope of the world right here. The gospel. Jesus said at the end of that passage we read that this gospel of the kingdom will be shared all over the world, then the end will come. Do you know, I'm going to tell you some great news. Do you know that the last unreached people group on the planet has just been adopted by a host of churches? We adopted an unreached people group, the Gathering Place Church did, uh, in Ethiopia. And Josiah comes from that region, our son we adopted from Ethiopia. And we adopted this people group, there's millions of them, and we have been reaching them for years now. And they are the Christianity is spreading all over that country uh, because we and others have adopted that people group. Well, every people group on the planet now has been adopted, meaning that there is a host of Christians who are going after that people group to share the good news with them. We are like this close to reaching the entire planet with the gospel. Jesus said this gospel will be preached everywhere in the world, then the end will come. So, what do you do? What do you do in your neighborhood, in your family? What do you do on social media? Here's, the, here's your instruction. But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry about don't worry or be afraid of their threats. I spoke to a young teenager last night at a youth event, and he said he wanted prayer uh, because he stood up for Christ at school, and he was getting uh, he was getting uh, bullied for it. He was getting criticized for it, and he said, "I don't want to be afraid to be able to stand up for what I know is right at school." Well, this scripture is for you if you're watching. But even if you suffer for doing what is right. God will reward you. Keep your eyes on the end times. Keep your eyes on the horizon. Keep your eyes on Jesus coming with rewards for those who did not back down, did not fall away, and were bold with the gospel. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your, here's the word, hope. If someone asks you about why are you so hopeful when things are so dark, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain it. Why you have hope is because I belong to Jesus 
and he's going to be coming back. No matter how silly it sounds, just like Noah building an ark, and everybody mocked him and laughed at him. He was building that ark for 110 years. People say, ah, oh, this return of Jesus, that's just silliness. You guys have been talking about this ever since, you know, 2,000 years. They said the same thing to Noah. 110 years, he was building a boat. And nobody had ever seen a boat before because it had never rained. He looked like a fool. You might look like a fool, but guess what? The flood came, and Noah and his family got in the boat, and everybody else got washed away. Jesus said that's exactly how the end times are going to be. Tell people about Jesus. It's the only hope they ultimately have. How does the teaching of the end times affect you, especially after hearing this message? Does it make you afraid, or does it motivate you to be serving Christ more than you ever have before? If you have not deepened your life with Jesus, start doing it right now. Because he will sustain you through any trial that you go through until you see him face to face. And the next week, we're going to talk about how to be spending your life while we wait for the return of Christ. All right, now look, if you've never given your life to Jesus before, I want to pray for you right now, okay? Right where you are, will you just bow your head, close your eyes, and pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, let's repeat it after me. I'm going to give you a phrase you repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I do not want to be left behind. I need my sins forgiven. And I'm asking you now, come into my life. Be my Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit of truth. I am yours. You are mine. I am now a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please comment on this thread. I just gave my life to Jesus. I want to respond to you. I want to pray with you. The rest of you, how did this message affect you? I would love to get your feedback on it. How has this message motivated you? What can you do right now, this week, to apply this message to your life? I would love to hear from you. And share this, because the world needs to hear the gospel, the good news. Amen.